0: It was Passover, so we find Jesus and his disciples here in the upper room. And it was here that Jesus enjoys his last meal before the cross. It was here that Jesus predicted his betrayal from Judas and his denial from Peter. And it was here that Jesus gave us a new command to love one another as he had loved us. And that is why today is actually called Maundy Thursday, because it comes from the Latin word manadanum, meaning mandate or command. So Jesus here is giving us this new command. Now, normally for a Passover meal, like our video described, there are four cups, each symbolizing a promise that God had made to Moses all the way back in the Old Testament, back in Exodus. The first cup stands for, I will bring you out. The second, I will free you the third, I will redeem you, and the fourth, I will take you as my own. Now, what's amazing about God is that as we look at this from, and this is before the Exodus, what God is promising Moses, we can look at this and say, you know what? God absolutely fulfilled his promise. He absolutely delivered on all four of these promises here. Because we remember that God's people were once in slavery in Egypt. And God rescued them. He delivered them from this slavery from Egypt. And then they were given the promised land. So it's here that Jesus redefines the Passover meal. See, Jesus, he took bread and he said, Take and eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for their forgiveness of sins. And then he says this, he says, Do this in remembrance of me. See, whenever we have this meal, whenever we have the bread and wine, we're not to remember or celebrate the deliverance of God's people from slavery in Egypt, but rather that we're to remember our our redemption and our deliverance from slavery of sin. Rather than slaying a Passover lamb, now we remember that it was Jesus who is the perfect and spotless lamb. The ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity for all time. The inheritance is not the promised land on earth, but rather it's the promised land of heaven. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus says. And we get to share this meal tonight. That we get to receive Jesus' true body and blood. And whenever we go to the altar and we're repentant, whenever we're sorry, that we receive forgiveness. Now, during a Passover meal, there's also a fifth cup that represents God's wrath. And it's poured, but nobody drinks it. So why a cup? What does a cup have to do with God's wrath? Well, it's an Old Testament phrase where a cup is used as a metaphor for God's wrath. For example, we can look in Jeremiah chapter 25. It says this, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they drink it, they will stagger and go mad because of the sword I will send among them. So I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom he sent drink it. Now, in the passion story, who drinks the cup of God's wrath? Jesus does on the cross. See, he actually went face to face with God's wrath, which is something that none of us here in this room have ever experienced before. See, we've experienced consequence for our sins. Oh, absolutely, we have. But we have never faced God's wrath face to face like Jesus did. See, the only person who's really ever drank from this cup of wrath, who's ever really experienced this cup, is Jesus. On Thursday night, before he was crucified, Before the trial and even before the arrest, we find Jesus in a very familiar place. We find him in the garden praying to his father. Now, he turns to his disciples and he asks them something. He asks them to stay awake. It's it's like asking a friend for support. But the disciples, they don't stay awake. They let Jesus down. And and he really just, I think he just really wanted their company. He, He really wanted their support. But he tells them this. He tells them there's a reason to stay awake that I find very interesting. It's to stay awake and pray that you may not enter temptation. Now, the Bible doesn't explicitly say that the devil was there in the garden. But if Jesus tells them that they need to pray to fight off temptation, then certainly you would imagine that Satan was very hard at work that night. After all, if he can get Jesus to give up If he can get Jesus to abandon ship and not go the cross, then Satan would win. If Satan can just keep Jesus off that cross, then there would be no forgiveness. There'd be no reconciliation of humanity with God. See, if Jesus gives up and throws in the towel, then humanity is hopeless and it's destined simply for hell. In the movie, The Passion of the Christ, it shows Satan tempting Jesus in the garden. And he says things like this. He says things like, they're not worth it. And they'll reject you anyways. And you know what? In many ways, Satan is right. On our own, we're not worth it. And we'll reject Jesus anyways. We have and we will. But see, here's the thing about God. God is such an amazing and loving God that he actually looks at us. And you know what he says? He says, no, you are worth it. You're worth living for, and you're even worth dying for. But Satan is such a good tempter. See, in the movie, Satan is actually standing right next to Jesus, whispering in his ear, and Jesus, it's, it's amazing. Jesus is just praying, but as he's praying, he's, he's violently shaking. He's, he's so distressed. And, and you know what? That's, that's accurate. That's the way the Bible describes how Jesus felt when he was in the garden. Uh, In Luke, it even says that Jesus sweated blood. All right? I mean, have you ever sweated blood before? I I, I don't think I have. I mean, this is... Jesus here is really disturbed. And he could really, by the way, use the support of his disciples. And where are they? Asleep. So in the midst of distress, Jesus still does the will of God. He cries out, Father... If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So what's the cup? Well, it's the fifth cup that we've been talking about. It's God's wrath. And he's asking God the Father that if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Now, we should note here that that Jesus here was not necessarily desiring to go against God's will, kind of like what Peter did whenever Peter, Peter earlier said, That uh, Jesus cannot die. And Peter was arguing with Jesus about, no, you can't die. But rather, he's asking God, if there's another way. If there's any other way, let's do that instead. And notice this petition is surrounded, it's bookended by, if you are willing, and not my will, but yours be done. So even in the midst of hardship, Jesus here is still seeking God's will. And have you ever asked yourself this question? What does God want me to do in this situation? Have you asked that question before? See, even whenever times are hard, we still need to do God's will. Not whatever makes me comfortable or whatever I'd rather do, but rather, what does God want? Luke 22, 43 points out that God gave Jesus an angel to strengthen him. So God actually answered Jesus' prayer, not by necessarily taking away the cup, but by strengthening him. It's like the old saying, if God leads you to it, he'll lead you through it. The disciples, again, were not much of a support. They kept falling asleep. But Jesus did receive the help from an angel. So if you've ever felt broken, and you've ever felt like you've needed strength in your life, Jesus can relate to that. That's how he felt here in the garden. Here he was in the garden. He was abandoned by his disciples in great distress again to the point where he was sweating blood. Now, Jesus' humanity here reassures us that he knew exactly what it's like to be in the darkest and loneliest of times. This also reminds us that when we're abandoned by our friends or by other people in our life, That God is always there. We can always turn to God, and He will provide strength. God can provide and give us strength to endure anything. So Jesus is about to drink the fifth cup, the the cup of wrath, and as our video pointed out, that He actually drank it in our place. See, we're the ones who sent. We're the ones who rejected God, and turned against Him and broke His commands. And so really, that cup was for us to drink, and he drank it in our place. He would then be arrested, tried, mocked, beaten, crucified, and drinking the full cup of wrath in our place. Our sins would be paid for, so that way we can experience this forgiveness and reconciliation with God. It's Jesus who stepped in for us, and he drank it for us. So the Garden of Gethsemane, for the disciples, was a garden of abandonment. For Jesus, it was a garden of blood, sweat, and tears. And for Judas, it was a garden of betrayal. His pocket lined with 30 pieces of silver, he shows up with these armed guards. And he goes to kiss Jesus to identify him. And Jesus' arrest... Then begins the passion of the Christ, the way of suffering. The guards take Jesus to what is really an illegal trial, a midnight trial. And the disciples, again, what do they do? Abandonment. The disciples, as soon as Jesus is arrested, they flee the scene. So get this, the garden that once contained Jesus, the Son of God, his disciples, Judas, tons of armed guards there. Literally, could have been dozens, could have been hundreds. We don't know. Now, all within minutes, is an empty, desolate garden, abandoned. And this desertion, it reminds us of how Jesus must have felt alone. See, from here on out, the path to the cross must be done by Jesus alone. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for drinking the fifth cup for us. And we know that it was our sin that caused the separation between humanity and God, between us and you. And we're the ones who deserve your present and eternal punishment. But because you loved us so much that you chose to go to the cross and you fought temptation in the garden. You chose to drink the fifth cup knowing the suffering and death that you would have to endure. So we thank you for this, and we pray in your name, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.